So hi, I'm Steve Lee. If you are watching and you don't know who I am or you've forgotten what I look like from the old days, uh, that's who I am. Steve Chick has asked me to share a few perspectives with you as an evangelist on where we are in this very strange, unpredictable world that we find ourselves in. For me, I was certainly incredibly grateful to God that I was about three years into communicating the gospel online when the lockdown came and I felt I could move quickly and uh, up until today I've just checked we've had around about four million views of our big story films online the gospel literally going to the ends of the earth and people interacting with it and of course we're all online in some way in a way that we weren't before and uh, we've all got pretty familiar with Zoom or Celebrity Squares, as I like to call it. And uh, we all know what it means to absorb this kind of information online, where we used to see it all in buildings. I want to say to you that it is vital that we understand that the church doesn't end when it stops gathering. And in fact... There's probably evidence to suggest that in some ways when we are scattered as we are now, we are perhaps more aligned, not less, with the church of the Acts of the Apostles. Sunday church was never meant to define the church, but it was meant to create opportunities for an already defined church to gather, to encounter God and to declare the gospel. Let's remind us today that in these troubled times that we live, the church must be providing answers and solutions and a roadmap for people to follow. It was A.W. Tozer who said this, a frightened world needs a fearless church. A frightened world needs a fearless church. I believe that as the people of God, we've got to recognise now, perhaps more than ever before, who we truly are in God's eyes and what we are meant to be as individuals and as a community of believers to the communities and societies that we are a part of. For those of you who are familiar with uh, the NBC, this building, the Middlebrook Centre, uh, it's actually covered in scaffolding at the moment and that's been the case for a while because there was a bad leak in the roof and as I looked at the scaffolding on the outside a few weeks ago I thought you know what it's almost like that God has even got the building in a chrysalis uh, and this time where we are locked down and in many ways locked out of our buildings God is doing something profound and of course the chrysalis is a moment of an ending of what was before but it's not really a moment of death it's actually a moment of anticipation of new life springing forth in a new way only the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ communicated and carried by a devoted spirit-filled church is going to be able to meet the needs of our society moving forward. So let's pause there for a minute and let's press the reset button and go back to the early days of the church when the Holy Spirit fell 
on the believers at Pentecost. This is in Acts chapter 2. It's the end of the chapter. It's, a, it's an awesome chapter. It's all going on in Acts 2. And this is from uh, the New Living Translation. It's Acts 2, 42 to 47. This is brilliant. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer a deep sense of awe came over them and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they have they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need they worshiped together at the temple each day met in homes for the lord's supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising god and enjoying the goodwill of all people and each day the lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved keep your bibles open or switched on as the case may be uh, because we're going to come back to this in a minute but that scripture I want to say that that is not some kind of checklist as uh, as to how to run a church in many ways I spend a lot of my time with church leaders in different places around the country and I guess most of them would love to say that the Bible is a handbook for running the church it would make it a lot easier if it was but it isn't a checklist but it is undoubtedly a blueprint that we can draw tremendous uh, wisdom from this is a moment in the church it's the early days of the church where the DNA is being written the genetic code is being written by the Holy Spirit among that early group of believers that would set the pace and set the tone and set the format for what was to come. And I want you to know that 2,000 years after that, this is our story. It's not their story. We are living in an unbroken series of events going back through the generations, right back to Pentecost. This is our story. Now these moments that we are describing in Acts 2, uh, it was something that was powerfully coming from God by the Holy Spirit, not in a training conference in some kind of posh church facility with a set of glossy handouts in a folder for each delegate. No, this is happening on the street among the ordinary people. Discipleship is not classroom lectures it is on the job training and every generation of the church in all its diversity has sought to encounter God in this way in its own time and in its own expression using this timeless blueprint as the guide and I want to suggest that it is exactly the same for us today so let's go back into this passage and let me give you four uh, or five actually guiding principles from Acts 2, 42, 47 that will help us be fruitful, I believe, in the work of the gospel in these tremendously challenging times that we find ourselves in. And here are my five touchstones, faith, food, fire, friend and fruit. 
Okay, they're not the words that are in the scripture, but hopefully that will help you remember them. Faith, food, fire, friend, fruit. So faith, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching the revealed truth that was being released among them that would ultimately go on to populate the Bible, the gospels, the accounts of Jesus. That's what they were depending upon, these first hand recollections and stories and accounts of what Jesus was all about. Of course, this is pre-Bible, this is pre the scriptures that we have today, but the stories that are being recounted by the apostles are the stories that would ultimately be included in the gospels so faith that's the first one the second one is food it's there in verse 42 and verse 46 they ate together not just communion some translations of the bible say they broke bread together this is not a religious ceremony it was it became that afterwards as we all know but when it says they ate together this is about food it's about dinner it's about sharing each other's tables. And as we can see from the New, Tra New Living Translation, part of that was breaking bread. Part of that is what we know as communion, but it was in the context of sharing meals, sharing food, not a religious bolt-on to ordinary life. It was all there wrapped up in this incredible challenge and uh, um, this transaction that they were involved in together of interacting with each other's lives around meals, around food. So faith, food. The third one is fire. Verse 43, miracles were being carried out by the apostles. Miracles were commonplace in the early days of the church. They didn't believe in miracles. They depended on miracles because this these were dangerous days for the church this is when persecution is taking hold great opposition in jerusalem and the surrounding area as this message of the kingdom is running like fire through the streets and multitudes of people are coming to christ as a result of the faith that is being demonstrated in the apostles but in the body of believers that, that as we know is rapidly growing fire faith food fire the next one is friend or friendship or fellowship they gathered together and they shared it's all there verse 44 and verse 45 of acts 2 this is a time to be generous it's not a time to be stingy this isn't a time for us to hold what we have as our own it's a time to share and it's a time to give away to others and the last uh, uh, of my five F's is uh, fruit or fruitfulness in verse 47. They experienced growth. The Bible says every day the Lord is adding to their number. This is a time of massive, not addition, but multiplication in the church where hundreds and thousands are being swept in to the kingdom of heaven through the faith of what these men and women are engaged in yes they are scattered but they are incredibly fruitful we are scattered at this moment in time it won't always be that way but at the moment we are scattered but we have huge opportunity and huge responsibility to continue to carry this message of the kingdom tremendous growth happening 
in the early church as they followed these simple principles that are being laid down by the work of the Holy Spirit among them. Jesus said, didn't he, to Peter, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it or not overcome it in another translation not i will build your church or i will help you build your church not even i will help you build my church but i will build my church that doesn't mean we just sit back and we think well we'll pray and god will sort of do it that's not what it means at all it's saying that the the power that is needed to grow the church and to establish the church comes from Christ. It doesn't come from us. So we can't build the church. Uh, we can pretty successfully demolish it on days with all kinds of human mistakes, but we can't build the church. God will do that. Jesus is the head. Be confident and courageous in this assurance that Christ will do what only Christ can do. We are the body, he is the head, and he will build this body in the way he sees fit. And if he does that, and if we allow him to do that, more importantly, it will work out okay. I believe that we've got to be very open to change. I believe Christians are the people that shouldn't avoid change or even tolerate change. We should be creating change. We should be affecting our society because greater is the power that is in us than the power that is in the world. Maybe even wholesale change is what is coming down the line, but it will not be disorder and it will not be chaos. Far from it, because when change comes, from God, it will always end well. When change is forced upon us, sometimes that can be incredibly disruptive. But I believe, and I want to suggest to you, I want to humbly offer this to you today, I believe that change is coming to us. And we've got to face that. We've got to recognise that we cannot just reopen our buildings and do what we were doing before. Something new is emerging from heaven. But here and now, scattered as we are, we can be dynamic and effective witnesses for Christ. In February 1971, decimal currency was introduced into the UK. But did you know that parts of the old currency would still be legal tender in January 1993? The new had come, but the old still existed in some way for 22 years. Maybe it will be that way for us as church hopefully not 22 years of transition but maybe there will be a time and I think there will be a time where some of the old ways that we do things will coexist with a new way of doing things but the message never changes believe and be baptized it's as old as Pentecost but the methods that we communicate with in this digital age have to change have to be uh, 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 explored and we have to adventurously go after those things change is coming but who'd have believed back in February that it would come this way who'd have believed that who could have expected the days that we are now living in having said that 
there's been a plague or a pandemic, as we now call them, about every hundred years for the last few centuries. The last one uh, was in 1918, and it was called Spanish Flu. And uh, just so you know, it had nothing to do with the Spanish, actually. It didn't come from Spain. It was really um, uh, incubated in the horrors of trench warfare in the First World War, in the squalor, in the rats and the mud and the disease. That's where it gained its hold. And of course, then as the soldiers returned after the war, they were already infected, already incubating the virus. And then they just passed it on to the communities and the lid was blown off the thing the cover was blown by the uncensored wartime press in Spain that's why it was called Spanish flu so it didn't actually come from Spain of course what happened after that post-war first world war is that what meager resources were left were given first to the returning soldiers who were malnourished and then to the rich and prosperous families in society and it left the poor and the marginalized and the hungry and the sick and the forgotten hideously exposed at the back of the food queue and really when you look at something like that a hundred years ago same old same old it's still happening that way today and we are going to come out of this covid crisis but then we are going to have a whole new set of problems because it's always the sick and the forgotten that are left behind and I want to suggest to you that that makes God sick that makes God sick that's why organizations like CAP Christians Against Poverty that's why God blesses those movements so much because they put themselves in the way of and they target the struggling with his love I believe that the church should be a hospital and a theatre. Let me explain what I mean by that. It needs to be a hospital because it needs to have radical, caring structures. But it also needs to be a theatre where it showcases the gospel and the wonder and the power of God. They are the two things that I believe we have got to be moving forward. And maybe in this time, we are having an opportunity to grow the hospital element of the church. Small, intimate, personal, relational environments where we can radically care for people that need that. But there will be a day, and most of it, I think, will be online for a long time. And that's why I'm so thrilled to be reaching the numbers that I am, because that is the theatre. That's the way that we present and declare and demonstrate the power of God. But I'm sure there will be a day that we will return to our buildings, but possibly in a new way. Let me finish with some great observations from a guy called William Beckham, uh, David's dad. <laughs> Not really. Uh, in his book called The Second Reformation, Reshaping the Church for the 21st Century. And I'll close with this. These are the changes, William Beckham says, that took place when the church stopped meeting in small groups and became an audience in large groups. Communion changed from a meal to a ceremony. Worship changed from participation to observation. Witnessing changed from relationship to salesmanship. Leadership changed from gifted and called servants to professionals. 
growth change from multiplication to addition, discipleship change from on the draw job to classroom training, body life change from lifestyle to membership, gifts change from edification to entertainment, buildings change from functional to sacred, membership changed from producer to consumer, childcare changed from parental to church responsibility, Bible teaching changed from doers of the word to hearers of the word and evangelism changed from go structures to come structures. Let's be radical as we move forward. Let's allow the hard reset to take place in our own Christianity as well as what is happening corporately in the church. God is on the move and he is calling us to commit our lives with fresh purpose, fresh courage and fresh determination to the cause of the gospel. God bless you.